0: Welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a little bit of the Sundance Film Festival to you.
1: We discussed two movies that played at Sundance along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing Waitress, Mandy, and The Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan.
0: Well, another Halloween is come and gone. We're recording this the day after, and I've already put up most of the Christmas decorations.
1: (laughs) November 1st, baby. (laughs) Gotta get it started.
0: Apologies if you hear leaf blowing in the background. Our stupid HOA is like, I'm gonna have this yard service come in and blow around leaves for four and a half hours and pollute the environment.
1: Yeah, it's a real bummer. So just bear with us. Maybe our dulcet tones will be enough to make up for the fact that you might hear some light humming. Yeah. Jessica, I'm not going to go like too deep into anything up top this week, but I do just want to have a general plug for a show that I've been enjoying recently that I discovered in the past couple months. Mm -hmm. And that is the very funny Fox show, Welcome to Flatch. Mm-hmm. Basically, my pitch for this is if you want your parks and recreation fix, this is kind of in that vein of pseudo documentary, like mockumentary type small town weirdness. It's really funny. And there's a lot of colorful characters. And it's just a really fun time. And I even got you hooked on it the day after I found it. I was like, watch this show. You'll <laughs> love
0: it. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny.
1: So welcome to Flatch. It's on Hulu. If you need to catch up,
0: it's a joy. Well, the first season expired off of Hulu.
1: Yeah, I actually just watched the finale the the other night Mm -hmm. so i could not miss it (laughs) but the second season just jump right in (laughs) or just pirate it i don't know yeah do do
0: people still pirate stuff yeah they do yeah because sometimes these things deserve to be pirated (laughs)
1: yes get around supporting certain corporations Mm -hmm. or people's stupidity yeah do what you need to do yeah we won't get into that we want to focus on the finer things in life and for that that means the finer things (laughs) sundance Film festivals, movie watching, uh, <laughs> dancing with my wife. So, Jessica.
0: <laughs> my wife.
1: Shall we Sundance? We shall.
0: Hello, Jenna. Hello. Here, I brought you some peachy keen tarts. So, what seems to be the problem? I seem to be pregnant. Congratulations. Thanks, but I'm not so happy about it like everybody else might be. I'm having the baby, and that's that.
1: Un Uncongratulations.
0: Unthank you. Waitress premiered at the 2007 Sundance Film Festival. It is written and directed by Adrian Shelley. It stars Carrie Russell. Cheryl Hines, Adrian Shelley, Nathan Fillion, Jeremy Sisto, Lou Temple, Eddie Jemison, and Andy Griffith. Jenna works in a diner in a small southern town and is a genius at creating luscious desserts, but her marriage to an abusive goon makes happiness impossible. When she discovers she is pregnant, she makes plans to skip town before her condition is obvious. Uh oh. A movie full of quirky, idiosyncratic characters with An oddball humor with a dark edge and also a heartfelt story. You know what this sounds like?
1: Jessica Kryptonite? She hates it.
0: No. This sounds exactly like a Jessica movie. (laughs) And you know what, dear listeners? It is. Mm. I adore this movie, and I still do. I first saw it whenever I was a teenager and just completely fell in love with it. I think the writing is so excellent, and the characters are amazing. I love all the performances. If you hear a dog barking in the background, I'm sorry about that. He's just
1: a very big fan of the movie and is mad that we didn't break our no guest rule for him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but look at him trying to horn in. Yeah, the story is really great. It also features one of the best cake songs ever, Short Skirt, Long Jacket.
1: (laughs) I thought you meant a song about a cake. I was like, how many cake (laughs) songs are you listening to? I listen to a lot. (laughs) I guess I got confused because she makes pies. So I was like, all right, yeah, there's a cake song in here. Okay.
0: Also, this movie, yes, it has a ton of pies and a lot of scenes of making pies and just interesting pies and desserts or whatever. So that appeals to me as well. And I thought that it would work well since we're moving into Thanksgiving. It would work with the season.
1: (laughs) Even though we're still hanging on to the past season with our next two movies, kind of yes, a little spookiness.
0: But the Nightmare Before Christmas has Christmas as well. True. So I thought it would be good transition movies. Yeah,
1: this is also kind of links back to our discussion <laughs> of Big Night. Yeah. With our our food porn movies of yeah. just like things that appear on screen that we just immediately want to eat and mm-hmm. just want to dive into that
0: world. Yes, you see. Uh chocolate being poured and mm, it's so good Mm. i think one of the things that really appealed to me most whenever i first saw it this woman she learns that she's pregnant and then she is not happy about it the whole movie is her trying to deal with what she's gonna do because she already decided she's like i'm going to have this baby but don't congratulate me or anything and she was really working through a lot because i mean she's with a horrible horrible man who's abusive he essentially rapes her often and that's why she was pregnant she said that that one time i got drunk and this is what happens and then you have a scene where it's difficult to watch because he is raping her because she doesn't want she just gives in because she knows that he won't stop asking her for it or whatever and that's basically what he does and he's like come on come on so she doesn't want to and he'll probably end up killing her at some point if she doesn't do what he says. So there's all of this stuff that she's dealing with and she doesn't want this baby and she's trying to deal with her life not turning out the way that she thought it would be because Earl was different whenever they first got married and now he's a complete disappointment and he's a horrible person. It was also around the time in my life where I realized that I had a choice, like I didn't have to have kids. Before then I thought like, oh, you just, you get older, you, you get married and then you have kids whatever that's how it goes like I wasn't thinking like you have a choice you don't have to
1: it's not the default yeah Yeah.
0: and then I realized that I didn't have to and I was like oh I'm totally not doing that Mm -hmm. and just to see a movie about someone who isn't all consumed by pregnancy and is like this is the best day of my life blah 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 and it makes everything better and it's like used as a weird plot point thing to keep people together and it works out or something and it's not real it just spoke to me (laughs) in a way and I really liked that and I feel like there's probably some backlash against this, people being like, she's trying to say that it's a pro-birth movie, which I don't think that it is because Jenna did have a choice and she chose to keep it. this goes
1: back to our conversation with juno like choice it means pro actually having a choice yeah Yeah.
0: you can have it or you don't have to have it Mm -hmm. so jenna chose to have it i know that there's that backlash i'm sure but i think it's annoying because just that's the point of having bodily autonomy is having a choice at all and i love all of the the little stories with the different characters within the movie Mm -hmm. that are going on around her and everyone is kind of in these areas of their lives where they didn't really expect their life to go this way and they're trying to get their footing and make the best of it and you have a lot of a lot of affairs happening <laughs> But people are flawed and everything's muddy. There are certain lines in the movie that still stick with me to this day that, like, rip my heart out a lot of times. There's, like, Jenna asks Cal, her boss, who owns and runs the diner, she asks him, are you happy? And he's like, happy? What do you mean? Like, am I happy about my life, how it turned out? And she's like, yeah, I guess. And he explains, like, well, I don't ask for a lot, and I don't expect a lot, but I get what I need. And generally, yeah. I think I'm happy I'd say that and just like I don't know it's just so simple and how she's struggling and she has to ask him that because she's struggling It just I don't know it just crushes my soul it's one of those things that's so it's so pretty but sad because he doesn't have much of a life but he is happy with what he has and Jenna is struggling to find her happiness and she does briefly find like a light in this tunnel with the new person that she meets, the man who's new in town and they start having like a relationship and everything and it brings life into her world and she thinks that things are okay. I also like that the movie, it subverts expectations of what you think might happen. Like I don't want to completely give away any of the ending but I do like that the message is more so Like happiness is within yourself. Like what you make it, you make your life what you want it to be. You can't depend on other people to make you happy because people are flawed and they're going to disappoint you. Mm -hmm. Just seeing Jenna's evolution and her growth through the movie is so spectacular and beautiful. And I love how Adrian writes like the different pies. It's like her mental and emotional state at the time. Like I hate my husband pie, and she creates a pie and does the recipe and stuff.
1: That's a good way to get exposition out and like an Way besides just like this is how I'm feeling, it's just like adding to her character and her like creativity, but also showing her inner emotions.
0: And making pies is such an important thing to her, she loves creating and it's a way to get things out. I mean, you can tell by the pies that she makes and then how she's creating them, and it's a lot of her emotions into it, and you find out it's part of her happiness. And she also has like a sweet memory with her mother, and it's all intertwined because she and her mother would bake pies, and she taught her things, and she had these moments with her. So it's a very important part of her life. And then you have whenever the the doctor's office gives her the baby book, and they're like, you're supposed to write things in it for the baby in the future whenever it grows up, and they can go back and read things. And so she starts uh, writing letters to the baby, but it's really just, and she realizes it within the movie, like it's letters to herself. And so that's even more like character building and her. Mom. Mindset at the time. And I really love those letters. Like there's the part I wrote it down so that I wouldn't forget it, the part where she's falling in love again and coming alive, and it's in a, a letter that she's writing to the baby. She talks about how Earl changed after they married, and about how she was lonely and afraid and without options, being poor. And then she says, and then I was addicted baby. I was addicted to saying things and having them matter to someone. That part and that line and when it's said with what's happening on screen it always really gets me it wrecks me because it's so sweet and it's so relatable just like finding someone who actually sees you and then you're talking to them and they they want to know what you say and they're excited and it's like the first time in her life that she's ever felt that and so it wrecks me <laughs> but there's also all the aspects about like women in abusive relationships and how they need their independence like financial independence it saves their life a lot of times because she can't get out because she doesn't have money all the money that she makes at the diner she has to give to earl because he demands it and so she has to start squirreling away money and then she's going to try to win a pie baking contest to get more money to leave him i like all of those extra layers how important it is for women to have financial independence a lot of things in women's lives she really puts fronts center and I really enjoy that.
1: Yeah and this isn't a period piece or anything this isn't like oh this was before women could have their own checking accounts or anything like that this is showing that just because women can have these things doesn't mean they're automatically able to like depending on their situation so it just shows that side of things of how they can be trapped like you said Mm -hmm. and things aren't as they're evolved but they're not as evolved as in every situation as they can be.
0: Yeah and how a lot of people are like why didn't you just leave it's not that simple yeah it's not so cut and dry yeah i mean it's how a lot of women end up dead or just abused for the rest of their lives because they're literally trapped and it still happens so it's awful there's this other love story in there that adrian's character she plays one of jenna's co-workers and there's this guy that shows up all the time and he's kind of stalking her a little bit it's like he's a gentle stalker and he's very persistent and he says that he won't give up and he says that he won't take no for an answer and so like that part is a little muddied for me i don't think it ages the best but her character dawn she is like really resistant at first and she's wishing that he'll go away and then whenever she gives him a chance she's like well he's not so bad and she falls in love with him. So that part's a little muddy and iffy for me. He's at least not abusive or really scary mm-hmm. like he's going to kill her if she says no. He's like I said more of a gentle stalker.
1: <laughs> and Augie is also very good
0: at spontaneous poetry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That part really makes me laugh. A lot of the the lines in here are so odd but they're so funny, and Jenna, since she's such a a damaged person and she's so sad all the time, she has a really dark sense of humor. And some things she'll say that <laughs> she doesn't even realize that they're funny. So there's a lot of like dark humor in this, and a lot of the things that Cheryl Hines' character says is really funny too. I mean,
1: Cheryl Hines is always a joke. <laughs> yes, you know? yes, I
0: love her. Mm-hmm. I wish she was in more things. Cheryl Hines is in Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I want her in more movies. She plays Becky in this movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she is also a co-worker of Jenna's at the diner. Like all the side characters, they are really great and essential. The writing is so snappy. It just goes along and it's perfect. There's nothing that's like too much of filler. It all works. And there's so much of that movie that is so relatable, but also just poignant and beautiful. It's one of my favorite movies ever. We did see the Broadway play of it, the musical in New York. And that was fun, but it does not compare to the movie for me. I love it just because it brought us um, Sarah Bareilles's music for it and she wrote the song She Used to Be Mine which Mm -hmm. I have cried to so many times because it is so relatable and so heartbreaking and wonderful and it speaks to my soul. Mm -hmm. So I love 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 that we got that song out Mm -hmm. of that play but if you've only seen the play you have to watch the movie. And we saw that play on a honeymoon. Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, I can't talk about this movie without talking about what happened to Adrian. That the director and writer, Adrian Shelley, and also star in the movie, was murdered. And it was, like, shortly before this movie came out, which is extra awful.
1: Yeah, I was reading that. It was even before she knew that it had been accepted to Sundance, which is sad.
0: Yeah, it breaks my heart. It makes me so sad that just to think about how much we lost. Because she had already written and starred in a few other movies before this one. But I think she was really growing. Like, she hit this place where things were ramping up and this was it. Like, she was going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm so angry and heartbroken that that happened. And it was just a random thing, just an asshole who was working in her building it was awful
1: yeah and we haven't gotten the nerve up to watch the documentary about her yet.
0: yeah if you want to watch that documentary it's on hbo i think i think so yeah and i think it's just called adrian it just makes it the movie that much more important to me and then just sad because there's all this extra stuff surrounding it
1: yeah the first time i heard about this movie was from reports about her death i think i was reading like entertainment weekly or something back when i used to get like the print (laughs) entertainment weekly and and I thought it was very like, sad, but I, I did not know her at the time. But the plot sounded interesting to me, and I did, like, Carrie Russell. And so it was on my radar since then. And then whenever it came out, I was very excited to check it out. And then I finally got to it because I don't think it played around here because it wasn't, like, a super wide release. And yeah, it's we, just limited. Yeah, we live in kind of a smaller <laughs> town. So we didn't always get the most indie movies. I
0: wonder if it played at Belcourt, though. It may have.
1: I hadn't yet ventured down to the show <laughs> streets of Nashville indie indie cinema. But I did finally get to check this out on DVD, which a bone to pick for like physical media, (laughs) it's never received a Blu-ray release, Mm -hmm. which pisses me off because I really desperately want it. And it's with Fox, so who knows if it'll ever will. But I won't go on that rant. I've loved it ever since I watched it on DVD and I've watched it several times by myself, sometimes with you. (laughs) So like I've seen it multiple times and I've always really enjoyed it and it's always meant a lot to me. In fact, prior to me you. I uh, tried to spread the word about this so much that I was talking to this girl, and mm. you know who she is, but I will not name her on air. <laughs> but uh, she, actually, fun fact, she ended up dating one of my best friends. So oh, okay. uh, for a while. I was about
0: to say, it sounds like you're spilling the tea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we were talking, and it was her birthday, and I got her this movie on DVD because I was like, she will love this. Mm-hmm. And from my memory, she didn't seem to particularly care either way, <laughs> so... Um, I know how
0: much that gets under your skin. Yeah, because
1: I so rarely open myself up like this. Like, here's this thing that mm-hmm. means a lot to me. I did that once with my niece. I got her a copy of Eighth Grade yeah. for Christmas. <laughs> You're gonna bring that up. Yeah, it still gets to me. I'm just like, you will love this. This speaks to who you are. <laughs> you are someone newly into high school.
0: Yeah, this is the perfect time to watch it. Yeah.
1: Never heard anything about it. Yeah. I think I asked her about it once, and she was like,
0: I enjoyed it.
1: But, like, I don't believe her.
0: Yeah, So I get that.
1: So I gave Waitress as a present to this girl, and I was like, this is perfect. This is a great movie. She will love this. Because, like, <laughs> she also had the same favorite movie as me at the time, Garden State, mm. which I've evolved a little bit, but I still <laughs> love that movie. So I was like, this is right on her wavelength. <laughs> Nothing. But now now I'm with a girl who appreciates waitress. (laughs) Yeah. You're damn straight. That was the only uh the only box that needed to be checked for me, honestly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get that. I'm the same way if I share anything that's art Related that's important to me, either a movie, a song, an album, a book, mm-hmm. anything like that. If I am just like, this is perfect, absolutely, it is what you need right now, and I know it, and it's important to me as well. And then I don't hear anything about it, or if I hear a, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it, it's a lot. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you're just like opening yourself. You're like to know me. Yeah, is to watch this movie and understand me. And they're just like,
0: no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just because it's so important to me. Mm-hmm. It's like a fabric of my being and mm-hmm. then it's just crushing yeah and the funny
1: thing is i'm pretty sure at that time i had not even bought myself a copy so <laughs> oh, man. i just i just that's extra i'm just like man i just wish i would have held on to it i would have had it yeah just just for my own enjoyment but no
0: but then i brought it into your life unless
1: you already had it i did not
0: okay mm-hmm. see you got my dvd yes
1: that was what fate <laughs> intended it was for <laughs> you to bring the waitress dvd into my life <laughs> So that's my little uh, side quest about that. What a diet. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, I love this movie. <laughs> And I think you hit a lot of great points about this movie. I do really love the ensemble and how they work together and everything. And you mentioned her boss a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do really love their dynamic with one another and how <laughs> he can be a little bit, like, grumpy and a little prickly, but just at the end of the day, he also genuinely cares about her and doesn't try to, like, screw her over or anything.
0: Yeah, he can be a jerk, but he's a decent human being underneath it all.
1: Yeah, unlike Earl, which one of the things, you didn't mention the specific thing. Like his request of her, yeah. which is like, promise never to love our child more than you'll love me. Yeah, it's just awful. That's all you need to know about this individual. <laughs> yeah,
0: that whole scene where he finds out about the baby and then he's begging her, mm-hmm. and it's ugh, it's so gross. and then he
1: like reminds her, just like, remember that you'll never love this baby more than you'll love me. And she's just
0: like,, uh, nah. Yeah,
1: but all these things like
0: set up such a great ending mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah,
1: Earl, he's just the word. But like Jeremy Sisto is so good at mm-hmm. bringing him to life <laughs> and making him deplorable that you just you're cheering for her to like get away from him even though she knows he's trash, but she doesn't really have an option but just like anything to get away from him. Yeah. And I'm not completely sure. I'd have to think back on it a little bit further, but this is probably my favorite Kerry Russell performance. She's just so yeah. amazing. I mean, she's all Also fantastic in the Americans, but she uses her natural warmth, but also she's very like quick witted and cutting in certain ways. Like in her comedy, like just her delivery of that is so precise and perfect. This role shows how good she can be in that type of role, and I wish she had more of that. Which the only other thing that I can think of that she really got comparable to this afterwards was Austin Land, which didn't really give Mm -hmm. her the comedic material that of course she thrived on the Americans, but more in this kind of vein of like more lighthearted. Like, she's a very gifted comedian and stuff. And, like, I know she's been in small parts in J.J. Abrams things like Mission Impossible or Star Wars movies, like, very...
0: August Rush. Oh, yeah. She's not developed very much in that movie at all. Mm -hmm.
1: For an actress of her talent, she deserves so
0: much more. Yeah, she is in a lot of serious things. I've never seen Felicity, though, so I don't know what the drama and comedy scale is like on that.
1: I think it's pretty balanced from what I like. Once again, another J.J. Abrams thing, so that's him bringing her along for his future projects in little small roles, but Mm. I think that character also kind of infuriates people, but (laughs) some of her decisions and stuff, Uh. but I think it's like you love her, but you you get frustrated with her. Mm -hmm. That'll be a future binge watch for us I'm sure mm-hmm. one thing I did notice on this most recent rewatch is I didn't realize that Darby Stanchfield she has a small role in this as the doctor's wife mm-hmm. who works at the hospital which I was like ooh Abby from Scandal that's fun so mm-hmm. now that I've seen Scandal I know her and like I've seen her in more things so just to revisit this I'm like oh yeah I forgot she was in this this movie has a lot of really interesting people and just uh, all the stuff you said with Adrian, like the potential she had it just bums me out that we could have had so many more great movies from her also, you, you mentioned the musical that we got to watch of this, which this is one movie I would have never guessed <laughs> we would get a musical from this. But yeah. then once it came into existence, I'm glad that this is kind of at least allowed people to kind of shine a light on the movie and everything and its legacy and everything. It kind of reminds me of uh, how like Town also got turned into a musical, which I guess it's more, I guess, kind of expected than this for me, at least, because it kind of lends itself to a more theatrical telling because it's like the Orpheus and Mm-hmm. How that put a spotlight on Anais Mitchell, who I really loved before she had *Hades Town* as a play. Like, mm-hmm. I love that art that I love is getting a bigger spotlight because of plays and other
0: adaptations and stuff. We talked about that one day because I didn't realize how many movies were turned into musicals, mm-hmm. like so often. Because I thought it was more of a recent thing, but then it's not because it's been happening for a long time. Because like *The Lion King* and stuff. Yeah, even
1: like before, just yeah. established property is rich for tourists who are like, I know that yeah it's
0: just so wild though
1: (laughs) yeah especially with waitress and it's like being adapted to a musical i think it's a really nice legacy for Mm -hmm. adrian she was gone tragically too soon but just to know that both the musical and that this movie did really well considering at the box office like it made money it was a big success for fox searchlight from what i could tell it's heartening to know that the art that she left in this world it exists and it continues on and people keep discovering it in new ways and it's being interpreted, like I said, by, like, Sarah, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it's just really nice to have that grow out from this small little movie that premiered at Sundance. and
0: Yeah. If you want to watch this movie for even, like, the aesthetic and watch some really tasty pie scenes and everything and kind of, like, get into the more festive season, like, I'm gonna make some pies, mm-hmm. just watch this movie. And you'll feel, like, the warmth, too it's really warm you got the pies and it's warm and it's heartfelt what else do you need during the holiday season
1: yeah i mean if you have some creative pie recipes tweet
0: at us (laughs) i want to jessica will make
1: them yeah I so come up with your most creative pie recipes (laughs) and tweet it at us because i want
0: some sweets
1: (laughs) oh good for you And how was it?
0: Can you serve me up that rating system? My rating system is Naughty Pumpkin Pies.
1: Ooh, seasonally (laughs) appropriate. Yeah.
0: I will give this movie five Naughty Pumpkin Pies out of five.
1: Perfect pies. Ooh. I think I would give this... I'm just going to go four and a half Naughty Pumpkin Pies. I'm conflicted. I kind of want to go five, but I'll just stick with four and a half for now. Okay. If you want to see this movie... (laughs) uh like i said it's available on dvd (laughs) but also on digital i don't think it's streaming for free anywhere right now so that's a bummer but it's worth checking out
0: under the crimson primordial sky the wretched warlock reached into the dark embrace his fist Closed around the serpent's eye. Strange and eternal. I need you to get me that girl I saw. Do you know what to
1: do? Mandy premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 2018. It is directed by Panos Cosmitos, and it stars Nicolas Cage, Andrea Riceboro, Linus Roach, Ned... Dennehy, Owen Fure, Richard Brake, and Bill Duke. In the Pacific Northwest in 1983, outsiders Red Miller and Mandy Bloom lead a loving and peaceful existence. When their pine scented haven is savagely destroyed by a cult led by the sadistic Jeremiah Sand, Red is catapulted into a phantasmagoric journey filled with bloody vengeance and laced with deadly fire. It's one hell of a synopsis. (laughs) So yeah, Mandy, this was one of the years that we were at Sundance. We did not catch it at Sundance, but I remember a lot of buzz around this because this was the time where Nicolas Cage was on the up. I think this was one of his major roles on his comeback to more serious fare. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's always had like little pockets here and there that people appreciate, like Joe and other stuff like that. But he's a bit inconsistent. But (laughs) the past few years, especially since this movie, he's still had some clunkers in there, but he's done a lot of really fun and interesting things. That's the kind of Nicolas Cage that I like. So, I was very interested to finally check out this movie because it's been on my radar since we went. And, overall, I think it's pretty good. I think it was a little bit overhyped. There was a lot of buzz when this came out and it was, like, an unexpected box office hit and people were losing their minds and, yeah. I And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, like, weirdness. There's a lot of trippy visuals. And Nicolas Cage is really great and it's violent, and it's just a bloody good time. But I don't think it's transcendent or anything. I think it's just like a perfectly solid, well-crafted revenge tale with some trippy, phantasmagorical imagery, which I think is a lot of fun, and it's like a lo- it's a visually striking movie. I just narratively, it doesn't really hit all the points for me enough. As good as Nicolas Cage is, which he's really good in this, I, I want to give particular praise for- we've named a lot of Sundance queens over the years, or mm-hmm. right, year over the episodes, over the run of our, over the long years, <laughs> uh, over our run. We've taken a lot of breaks. We're not that far into our... <laughs> it. Right. But we've named Kristen Stewart. We've named Aubrey Plaza. But, like, another one in the running has to be Andrea Riceboro. Mm -hmm. Because she's been in a lot of really wild Sundance movies. Our first year we went, we saw her in a movie called Nancy. But then she's also was in this. The other year we went, which we also missed, was The Year of Possessor. Which is a real crazy, fucked up movie. So, (laughs) that year was the first year I had discovered her. And ever since then, whenever she shows up and stuff, I just love her because she's such a intense but pretty incredible actress mm-hmm. and just to see everything she's doing. I think also that year she may have been in The Death of Stalin if I'm not mistaken, like she had like a small role in that as well. So,
0: mm, she's a good character actress. She's a chameleon. Yeah, I love her.
1: she's <laughs> amazing. So, I'm glad she's been getting more work especially in recent years and she does a really good job in this. And Nicolas Cage, of course, he brings a lot of intensity to his performance and you feel for him and with all of his all the stuff that he ends up going through but Andrea she she makes you care about her character and establishes the emotions before things go crazy and everything Mm -hmm. goes into kind of like a hellscape mode Mm -hmm. the whole movie I think my like a lot of my main problem with this is there is quite a bit of ambiguity might be the wrong word but it's just very kind of dreamy and kind of light in its depth I guess you get some character detail but not a lot of stuff really is fleshed out to really make you care enough about these characters, in my opinion. You get some really interesting exchanges between her and Red. Those characters, they have a lot of philosophical conversations, and that gives you some deeper insights into some of their past traumas and why they are not completely living off the grid, but more so living away from society. And she works like a gas station. They live a very (laughs) idyllic existence where they're, they're trying to they're very simple people, they're trying to just more so enjoy being with one another than being a part of anything of this world necessarily. It's kind of like an oasis away from the world and then their oasis is encroached upon by this crazy death cult yeah that everything goes to hell and it's just because someone sees her walking one day and it's just like, I want her. I want to basically possess that. I want to claim that basically and things devolve from there and I think the movie is better when she's in it. And then due to the nature of the plot, she cannot be in the movie the entire time. (laughs) But I appreciate her at least as much, if not more, than Nicolas Cage in this movie. And she's the titular Mandy. You gotta, you gotta appreciate (laughs) it. It's the titular role. Oh, Mandy. So I appreciate this movie a lot on aesthetic level. And some of the narrative gets me, but I think it's a little bit light. And I do think it's too long. I think it could have shaved probably like 20 minutes off it and made a more enjoyable, compact movie. There were stretches where it kind of seemed repetitive or just kind of drawn out unnecessarily. So, yeah, it's okay. But I was hoping it'd be better.
0: You know what? This movie is all vibes. And if your vibes are murdering people, then you're going to fit right in. You're going to glide on this movie. <laughs>
1: yeah, if your vibes are murdering people, also just uh, maybe do a little self-reflection and see what that means.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh it's like a big old acid trip, mm-hmm. and of course the characters, the people in the movie, they are doing acid a lot, mm-hmm. so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's aesthetically and visually cool and interesting to watch, but like you said, there's not a lot going on narratively. There's not even that much dialogue to it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. There's not character development, I guess, because it's just like a, a little window of time where this happens, and then got to take care of business, and then that's it. So you just get to know red and mandy briefly i guess more so get to know red's character a little bit his morals what he believes in or whatever more so with his journey mandy seems to be really into art and a fantasy world probably because it's her coping mechanism for the trauma that she's had in her life Mm -hmm. like childhood trauma i think that it's nice the times that they have together at the beginning where you see them supporting each other through their different traumas and emotional baggage and they really care about one another another and working through it together and you can see how patient they are with one another which is really nice and sweet so it's really unfortunate that it gets broken up you know it's coming because you know what movie you're watching yeah that's the movie (laughs) yeah it's just disturbing (laughs) but it's just like another uh, point where the audacity of men just a man's like yep that woman i'm entitled to all women that i see so bring her to me because she is mine anyways not that she wasn't before but she's definitely mine now physically it's awful it's like the whole thing with religious cults being that way where it's usually a man in charge and that's just how it is like a narcissist and a really evil person Hmm. but I'm not saying that there aren't cults led by women because there are but the majority of them are led by men so it's just this gross dude I do love the part where Mandy just like breaks him down and humiliates him because he is trying to show off in front of her and be menacing and be like an overbearing presence like you're mind now and then he's just showing her <laughs> this music that he wrote because he's like a failed musician and yeah. he's like yeah playing the record you like it it's pretty cool right and then she just laughs and he gets so upset and aggro and he's just like what and it's it goes back to that whole that saying where like men are afraid that women will laugh at them and women are afraid that men will kill them yeah like the greatest fears thing and it that really plays out well because she's laughing at him and he just breaks down and he because he can't take it and he feels low low to the ground
1: yeah is he naked at that point or yeah
0: he opens his robe yeah. So he's naked and then she's laughing and it's like a man's worst nightmare.
1: Yeah. <laughs> laughing at his naked body and his vulnerability and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: And just whenever he's showing all the things that he's supposedly good at and how all these other people are worshiping him and stuff. And then a woman laughs at him. Even whenever she is physically powerless, like he can kill her in that moment, mm-hmm. but she still laughs at him. It just ruins him.
1: Yeah. I was going to mention that as like something I really liked about her character. Like she doesn't give up her power it even though she's in a vulnerable situation, she mm-hmm. is a badass, pretty much. Yeah,
0: she's physically powerless, and then she's also incapacitated with drugs because mm-hmm. they drug her, so she's like high out of her mind, but she still is like, nah. <laughs> I'm not going to feed your ego. I was expecting like a lot of violence and really crazy stuff in this movie. And there is a lot of violence, but it wasn't as much as I thought it would be. There's still quite a few moments where the violence made my butthole pucker. <laughs> <laughs> Quick <Quisty. laughs> I mean, I've gotten really desensitized to a lot of stuff, but it was more tame than I expected, maybe just because there was a lot of trippy, like, kind of filler things going on that were in between the violence and prolonged shots. I was expecting, like, a crazy rampage and stuff. There are a lot of really insane characters, especially this one aspect that I didn't know would be part of it, because I knew that it was, like, a cult and revenge stuff, but, like, I was not expecting, like, weird paranormal aspects To it. So that part, I was like, whoa. Yeah. It was like visually gross and disturbing. and kind of scary but not terrifying luckily that's one of the reasons why we didn't watch it at sundance the festival because you never know how a movie's gonna be because no one's seen it especially if it's premiering so the midnight section i'm kind of like Ugh, i don't know and we have to wait
1: <laughs> yeah there's a lot of yeah. bangers that year for horror like hereditary yeah, and- watching that. <laughs> so like if we would have went to hereditary you I... would have wanted to leave the festival yeah. and like crawl under your, your covers forever but... i would have been scarred for life but mandy would have been fine and yeah. I think the most intense we got that first year was maybe Summer of 84, mm-hmm. if I remember, which was fine, yeah. but it's hit or miss with your horror level on that.
0: Yeah, and especially with an indie festival, indie horror can get really, really intense and disturbing, so yeah. I can't just go in blind to a movie that's in a horror section or just be like, I'm gonna take a chance on this, yeah. <laughs> and then just end up in Hereditary yeah. and just like, be fucked up for or like, What have I done? <laughs> yeah this movie is intense it still makes me a little squeamish like a little squirmy in places and anxious but if you're just like you cannot handle gore or violence or really dark themes and imagery then i would not watch this mm-hmm. this is coming from a mostly scaredy cat
1: yeah but if you just want to see nicholas cage like <laughs> carve up people with a chainsaw yeah then by all means
0: yeah if you can handle gore yeah it should be okay but whenever i I was younger, I was not really great with gore. A lot of times it would frighten me, but I've gotten really desensitized to a lot of it. And most of the time, it doesn't scare me if something's gory. It's just like, okay, sometimes it makes me anxious, but it's not like I'm terrified. But there are certain things that people can do with it, like murders and stuff, that will mess me up a little bit. I agree with you that it was too long a lot. It should have been edited down a little bit. And I guess if you want to get super high off your face and then watch it you'd probably have a great time
1: yeah trippy (laughs) colors and like kaleidoscopic type imagery and yeah
0: yeah because there's not enough dialogue that you need to like pay attention or follow and even if you weren't listening to them talk you would understand what's going on Mm -hmm. because it's so like visceral and stuff so it's just whatever it's all vibes man and if revenge is part of your vibes Get on this. <laughs> if revenge is some on
1: your vibes, then that's cool. If murder is <laughs> yeah. part of your vibes, then I'm concerned. Yeah, get out of here.
0: Yeah. My expectations weren't crazy high for this, but it still, I guess, didn't meet my mid-expectations as mm-hmm. much. I am happy, though, for Nick Cage's comeback. I am enjoying seeing him do more things and having more people wanting to cast him and they're just like, I have this thing that's perfect for you. or, mm-hmm. And then people getting excited that he's in these movies. He did a, a Reddit AMA um, last year, I think, and I read a lot of it. He seems like a really chill and cool guy and I'm really pleased that he's getting more work, more serious work. And yeah, it has to be like with indie movies and lower budgets or whatever, so it might not get as much experience exposure or anything like that but it's still really cool that indie directors who usually have like a certain vision and a certain thing that they want they're like yeah nick cage is perfect for this yeah and they're giving him these chances because they respect him so much Mm -hmm. so i hope it keeps happening
1: yeah and he can dial into like a good frequency with his acting he doesn't have to be completely like caricature quote-unquote nick cage yeah like full cage yeah he can modulate his performance to fit what the narrative needs it's just he needs the right material
0: yeah i've always enjoyed his stuff whenever he was doing more bigger budget things and was a bigger star in the 80s and 90s -hmm. but i think he does have range and even whenever he's doing more dramatic roles he's really good at it and i've always enjoyed his performances but then people started making fun of him a lot it made me feel badly and I'm, I'm just like am i supposed to hate him what is going on
1: <laughs> nah fam nah his range in the early to mid 2000s with like adaptation and the weatherman gone and... in
0: 60 seconds
1: yes such a banger he knows what he's doing. He's good. Mm -hmm. He knows how to deliver. And just to highlight one other person in the cast, he doesn't have a huge role in this movie, but I just want to highlight him because he seems to pop up in everything I've been watching recently. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Richard Brake as the chemist near the end, Mm -hmm. because he was also, this past weekend we watched the new Munsters movie, and he was in that. And then I also, probably the same night, I think I watched Barbarian, and he was in that. He's just in all the horror movies, so good for you richard like just being creepy yeah so yeah this ensemble there's a bunch of weirdos but it's fun a bunch of real method weirdos i feel the need the need for speed
0: what is your rating system
1: well obviously it has to be how do i phrase this i guess i'll say a spiky
0: peen (laughs) (laughs) how did i know how did
1: i know So, I would wield
0: (laughs) three spiky peens out of five. Mm, A little mm -hmm. sword play. Nice. I was kind of thinking three and a half earlier, but then, like, I don't know if I like it that much.
1: What do the vibes tell you? What are you vibing on? I don't
0: know. Maybe I'm vibing on three spiky peens as well.
1: Welcome to the club. Out of five. Welcome to the club, my friend. Welcome to the club of pain. If you want to be inducted into the club of pain, you can watch Mandy. On Blu ray, or it's available to stream on shutter What is this? It's someplace new.
0: Jack, look out! Whoa! Whoa!
1: What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't
0: what is this?
1: Haven't you heard of peace on earth and good will toward men? No.
0: <laughs> the Nightmare Before Christmas was released in 1993. It was written by Tim Burton, Michael McDowell and Caroline Thompson. It is directed by Henry Selick. It stars Danny Elfman, Chris Sarandon, Catherine O'Hara, William Hickey, Glenn Shaddix, Paul Rubens, and Ken Page. Jack Skellington, King of Halloween Town, discovers Christmas Town, but his attempts to bring Christmas to his home causes chaos and confusion. Guess what? This is another Jessica movie. I <laughs> <laughs> love to see it. <laughs> I used to watch this all the time whenever I was a kid. No particular season or whatever. Now, whenever I watch it, it is usually seasonal, but I was a weirdo as a kid and I watched it quite a bit. I'm not sure... I don't think I'm making this up, but I think my cousin Ryan had the toy of the werewolf in the town and I remember playing with that and don't think I'm making that up. Sorry if I am,
1: but... Texas <laughs> Ryan. Let us know. Yeah.
0: I loved it and I still love it. It has a very special place in my heart. I love the story and the music and the characters there's like a lot of really weird and dark aspects to this movie that aren't exactly kid friendly it's just the stuff that makes me laugh a lot that's what makes it so good yeah so many movies like that have things in it where i'll watch it whenever i'm older i'm like what and just me as a kid being like yay again (laughs) to me it's always been more of a halloween movie i don't usually like to watch it during christmas but i get it if you do i mean i think if you want to do both that's even better but it is fun that it has both holidays. It has several holidays in it, actually. It references a few other ones. And the the Easter Bunny makes an appearance. But it has like a more darker aspect to it, so I can't really use it for Christmas. There is a song Making Christmas that makes sense to play around Christmas, especially if you're decorating. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the movie takes place in like that darker world and just all the darker things and characters and what they're doing. It doesn't seem as Christmassy to me. I mean they talk about murdering Santa Claus, so that's not very Christmassy.
1: <laughs> Did you play Making Christmas while you were decorating today, Jessica?
0: No, I thought about it, though.
1: You really messed up. Yeah. Could have got you in the mood for this
0: podcast. Man. Well, I still had a This Is Halloween in my head, too, a little bit, which I usually start singing in September. <laughs> <laughs> actually, let's be real, like August. I start singing it a lot. The soundtrack and the score and everything is it's full of bangers. And I really love the characters of Jack and Sally and their stories. I do like that even though Sally, she doesn't have like a full arc, she has, I guess, more of a moment in time. But you do get to learn her background and what she thinks of Jack and the town and the situation. But she doesn't have as much to do as I would want her to. But the movie is pretty short. It's like an hour. 19 minutes
1: yeah this says 76 minutes on wikipedia
0: oh okay so even shorter yeah it's pretty short so you can't just write like a full character arc for everyone but i would like her to have just a little bit more to do but i do really enjoy her character and i love that she's always just cool as hell and she's like escaping all the time from this jerk mad scientist dude who tries to keep her imprisoned all the time just because he created her and now he can't accept that she has her own life and she has her own thoughts and feelings and she needs to be on her own and independent and i like that she is able to escape all the time and do all this stuff that she wants to do like helping Jack or trying to hang out with him and she is able even though this dude is like a mad scientist and stuff she tricks him all the time I like how smart she is I love Jack. I think he's super fun and super cool. He is, yes, of course, annoying whenever he's just like, "I'm gonna take over Christmas because I'm tired of Halloween and I want something different." And that, I guess, that gets my nerves. Just how he wrecks Christmas (laughs) for the world. But it's just like the whole thing. Like, well, I saw it, so I should be able to take whatever I want. Like, why not just mend stuff again? It's what we do. We gotta take over. Yeah, and just like I can do it better. I'll I'll do this because I have all this praise all the time in my halloween town i'm the king and people are worshiping me basically, but I'm tired of it. It's boring. I want something new. I want more recognition outside of my world. Do
1: you think he's really looking for that praise or is he just wanting something different and no, he just doesn't understand how really to get into the spirit of Christmas?
0: He doesn't understand Christmas at all, mm-hmm. but he's tired of the praise that he gets constantly from the town. It's wearing on his nerves how he wants to be left alone a lot, but they're always in his business and they're like, hey, we need to do this like the mayor's like there's only 364 days left we've got to plan for the next halloween mm-hmm. and he's always in his face and the mayor isn't even doing anything he's not even running the town jack basically runs it and does everything and the mayor's just like all the time like running around and crying because they don't know how to do anything or function without jack so he's getting tired of them running his life essentially he doesn't know how to draw boundaries he doesn't have to know how to enforce them and come up with them and i think he a little bit tired of all of their constant fawning over him just because it's like in that realm but I was joking a little bit with him wanting praise outside of his world searching for that I was being snarky I think he just wants to experience something different Okay. and he's taking over Christmas town Christmas world and he's like yo Santa you're out of here I'm the new Santa and that just goes along with the whole like conquering thing and men.
1: I mean sometimes people just get in the way of your own happiness so you just Yeah, yeah you gotta try to just make room
0: yeah sometimes people do but uh i'm not saying that jack is the worst because like i said i love him part of the stuff that really speaks to me and that i relate to a lot is just in his song where he's singing in the i think it's in the cemetery or whatever on his hill and stuff and he says somewhere deep inside of these bones there's a longing how he longs for something else in his life something to make it worthwhile because he feels stagnant in his life now. Like how none of the people in the town can relate to him for that longing because they're really happy in the status quo and what they're doing and as long as they're busy making Halloween and everything they don't really think about anything else and he's more introspective and existential and he's thinking past it and he feels like this yearning and longing and I highly relate to him.
1: I was about to say just hearing this like description and I was like, Jessica's <laughs> Jack, and I'm the status quo townspeople. So they're just like,
0: yes, give me some of that same old, same old. I mean, a little bit, but I would say mostly the world is. Yeah. Because it's just the breed of person I am. It seems like there are less of me than of the townspeople. Whenever we are he- legion. <laughs> <laughs> just leave us alone, please. <laughs> but just like, whenever he's singing his song, I'm just like... I feel this on a spiritual level. Like, Mm -hmm. Jack, I know how you feel. And then shortly after he's done singing, Sally's listening and she's like, oh, Jack, I know how you feel. And I'm like, girl, you and I.
1: And I'm just like, dude's being a bit dramatic. (laughs) Yeah. Dude is a pumpkin king. (laughs) What more
0: could he want? He's excellent at scaring people. He is set. He's got all of his needs fulfilled. He can scare people right out of their pants. Yeah. (laughs) He's very much relatable to me, so that's why I connect to him and I love him. Well, and I
1: relate to the mayor, okay? He is ineffectual. <laughs> he is overwhelmed. Rolling
0: downstairs. <laughs> yeah. My head turns around backwards for to have a different pace. Yeah. That used to terrify me as a child, even though I loved the movie. Yeah. It would freak me out whenever he turned to the other side with the white and the blue lips. I was like, no, don't do it. <laughs>
1: He's my dude. That's so relatable to me. So you have
0: your uh, forward-thinking
1: Jack and Sally. I'll be be right there with the mayor screaming for help. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, like I relate to both Jack and Sally and I really enjoy them together. I think they fit well together and they're really sweet. I do love, love, love the the moment at the end where she's in the cemetery where he he sang a song at the beginning and then he comes in and he starts singing with her. And you have the, the part that I love so much where it's like, my dearest friend, if you don't mind, I'd like to join you by your side where we can gaze into the stars and sit together now and forever. Because it is plain to see that we're simply meant to be. I love it so much. It's so sweet and beautiful. Just like the simplicity, but the, the syntax, everything, and the music, it's beautiful.
1: You've definitely quoted that to me before.
0: Yeah, try at our wedding. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is all encompassing as you have quoted that to me before.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. The whole movie, just altogether is really romantic in mm-hmm. style and... That's why I think that I just love it so much. It will always be special to me. And I did watch it again this year for Halloween. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. Oh, also, you have Dr. Finkelstein, the mad scientist guy who's voiced by William Hickey. Jack goes to him to ask... For a favor to get some supplies and everything to perform experiments to figure out this whole Christmas thing I just like the way that he comes in and how he answers him it's just more so how much the town loves and respects him and that thing like the male energy where he's like jack my boy and then he says he needs some supplies and conducting experiments and he's like oh really he's just like sure yeah whatever like come on in get all this stuff whatever and he's helping him and he's really excited to talk to him about that stuff because He automatically respects him enough to think that he would be interested in the science and could understand it. Even though Jack is not a scientist whatsoever, he doesn't know what he's doing. But automatically he talks to him like they're on even ground, like they're peers. And so he's just like, yeah, here's my science stuff and blah, blah, blah. But then if Sally were to be like, oh, what are you doing? He'd be like, get out of here. You can't understand this. Your brain is not for this.
1: He created her, so obviously she can't be of...
0: But it's just like, he created her... And then she has agency and she has her own thoughts. It's like AI almost, you know? Yeah. He is smart enough to create that. You would think that he would relate to her as a peer and talk to her. She does want that. I mean, they would get along better. It would be less of a gross relationship.
1: Yeah, he's just more so portrayed as an abusive father.
0: Yeah, and it's gross.
1: There are a lot of parents who just don't really respect what their children have to say. Not good parents.
0: I think it's just telling that he created a woman, and then she has to be subservient to him, and then he gets pissed whenever she's not, (laughs) and she has other thoughts, and she is smart and not an idiot like he probably hoped she would be. Yeah. And then, like, later, whenever he's like, I'm gonna create another thing, and he takes half of his brain out and puts it in the thing because he just wants to talk to himself basically, because he's just like, I am awesome, and no one is as smart as me so. It's just mental
1: masturbation.
0: Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. So I definitely notice those aspects now.
1: Yeah, there's not too many women in this movie.
0: Not really, which is unfortunate and like I said, Sally isn't given a ton to do and she's not completely developed as a character, but it could be worse, honestly. Especially for 93. And another part that used to terrify me as a kid is the Oogie Boogie man. Oh yeah. Just him being a sack full of bugs (laughs) and he was pretty murderous as well, so there's a lot of really dark stuff in this movie.
1: I mean, I know everyone believes that Tim Burton directed this movie, but (laughs) that you can count on Henry Selig to have your weird and off-putting and menacing stuff in his movies. I never had the same relation to this movie as a lot of people of my generation did. I watched it when I was younger, but I never became obsessed with it. I've always enjoyed it pretty well, but I've never full-on loved it it seemed like it had like a real big um <laughs> a real big boom in my middle school high school days yes. especially at hot topic like yeah. it kind of annoyed me that people made it a personality type a mm-hmm. person who likes nightmare before christmas
0: i had several nightmare before christmas shirts i saw have my scarf i have my gloves so are you coming at me right now um uh, maybe i don't know <laughs> I didn't make it my whole personality, though. I just loved it. It was part of my childhood. (laughs) It's fine to,
1: like, love a movie, but just, like, to really, like, really become, like, obsessed with the movie and Mm. just... It's kind of like the... I I hesitate to even mention them because I don't want them to come after me, but... Disney people. Oh. Like, Disney adults. Between you and me and and the people listening, like, the Disney adults are gonna be a little bit much. Oh boy. Which this is Disney as well, so yep. but I don't think Disney adults really view this as in the same way as like no <laughs> the typical Disney movie. But yeah, I'm fine with people who love this movie and I like it quite a bit. It's just I don't I don't love it. I've watched this movie several times with you. We went to the symphony mm-hmm. to see it as well and that was fun.
0: Yeah.
1: I only slept during a little yeah, bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you started
0: almost snoring. I was tired. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the people behind us were chuckling and I was just like, yeah.
1: It's that long seventy six minutes. You just can't <laughs> can't quite make it over the hump. And that's soothing music. Yeah. Uh but still I had fun from what I remember. <laughs> but I don't know, there's something about this movie. I I know we just mentioned the the runtime. It's wild to me that this is seventy six minutes because it always feels too long to me. <laughs> <laughs> like I start to lose interest near the end and I'm just like all right, this needs to wrap up a little
0: <laughs> faster for me.
1: I know it's a it's around the time with the Oogie Boogie Man stuff, and then Jack in Christmas Land and everything. Like
0: Jack actually in the real world. Yeah, like, like being Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah,
1: I I just start to kind of lose interest. I mean, the first thirty minutes are pretty choice for me, and then like it gets, <laughs> it's still pretty good, but then at the end, I'm just like, okay, but it, it ends well. <laughs> 30 minutes? That's it. I'm out. No! I was just saying, like, they're especially good. And then it's pretty good. And then I get a little bored, but it's still fine, but I'm just checked out a little bit. And then the ending's nice. I Wow! I gotta tell uh, my truth, okay? Okay. I think the animation is fantastic. I love stop-motion animation, and it's probably the best thing about the movie for me It's just, like, the craft put into it is very impressive. Like, whenever mm-hmm. Jack is walking in his cemetery, and the, the hills unfolding or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's really cool. It's really smooth, like, especially for like the early 90s that the fact that it can look pretty much seamless is very impressive. Yeah. And I love whenever people put their care into like crafting Something with, like, such texture. I love the character designs. Every character has, like, a unique look to them that really works. The amount of characters that they created, like, some of (laughs) which don't even have lines or anything. It's just a lot of care is put into every shot. And, you know, like, each shot they have to, like, move this character a little bit, move this character. Just the amount of care put into it. That's why these movies aren't longer than... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that because it takes so much damn time. Yeah. You're not going to have like a three hour stop motion movie because it would just never come out because they would never stop working on
0: it. Well, Wendell and Wild was pretty long. It was almost two hours. Wasn't it like an hour 40 something? Yeah, I think it wasn't in like an hour 46. I mean, that's pretty close to two hours. Yeah. So that was a lot of work.
1: <laughs> yeah. I guess that's why Henry Selleck hasn't like made a movie since Coraline, I'm pretty sure. So mm. what's that been like, 14 years? Something like that? I guess. The craft, it's good. Mm-hmm. I, I like what they did with that I think the songs they're really fun I love the soundtrack on this i also really like the nightmare revisited mm-hmm. uh album they put out like a decade ago or so that has been in rotation around halloween for us and i think that a lot of the artists did a really fun job but the originals are really fun too and i often find myself singing the songs especially around halloween time there are just certain lines that get stuck like a loop in my head it's like an intrusive thought of just like mm-hmm. it just keeps on looping 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 so that's fun mm-hmm. uh, But good thing I like the song. And I really like the voice cast in this. I was very surprised to learn, because I never really paid attention, but I'm more familiar with his work now. Chris Sarandon voiced Jack, which I was recently watching him in Fright Night again. And then I was also looking at him a little closer. I'm like, oh yeah, he's in Princess Bride and some other Mm -hmm. things like he plays the doofus prince like humperdink or whatever in Mm -hmm. the princess bride yeah he's done a lot that i'm more familiar with now so i was just like oh i didn't know he had voiced him but i love that uh, danny elfman does the singing voice of jack Mm -hmm. and even like just the score that he creates for this is so great i love danny elfman and i hope he uh gets some recognition with the academy this year with white noise
0: but that's another conversation Mm -hmm. That's another podcast episode.
1: Yeah, which we'll probably talk about because it's Greta Gerwig's in it. So Hell
0: yeah, baby.
1: We'll see how that goes. So yeah, like I said, I don't want to seem like I hate this movie. I don't hate this movie. I really <laughs> like this movie, which will be reflected in my score. Okay. <laughs> But it's just, in comparison to, like, you and other people, I don't love it. I I don't (laughs) lose my mind over it. I just think it's a really good movie, which just slightly loses my attention near the end. Not completely. (laughs) Not completely. So much so that you'll fall asleep in the middle of a symphony. Um, I have fallen asleep in a ton of different things. I know, I know. I love the world that they created with this, and I don't want them Do a sequel.
0: Are they planning on it?
1: Uh, not that I know of.
0: Okay. I, don't I'm put sur- that up to the universe.
1: <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't, the way they've tried to cash in on everything else. Ugh. But, I mean, exploring some of these other worlds could be fun, but I don't want them to. I will stick with my imagination. Yeah, because they'll just ruin it. Yeah. I'm just saying, I love the world that they created with this. Yeah, me too. So, it's a really nice movie. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for people who hate me
0: for not loving this movie. Man, there's so many right now. You have no idea. So many people who hate you. So many people in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I have just so many people as I look pointedly at you. No, You're like,
1: no. you know we're never releasing this
0: episode, right? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I know it's not for everyone. Just like the weirdness and the pacing and the music and the story. It's not for everyone.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't understand why the pacing for me isn't better. Because like I said, it's so short. I don't know. Everything else is pretty good for
0: me. What's interesting, though, is whenever you say that it drags for you and you kind of zone out more, like the part where Jack is in the real world and he's Santa and he's doing his gifts and stuff, it's not even that long of a part or anything. It's maybe that whole debacle is like, five minutes maybe maybe seven five to seven minutes probably five and then you're just like
1: and then tack on the some of the stuff with the oogie boogie man
0: but that's a lot before you go in and out with him
1: yeah so i like ebb and flow (laughs) with my intras
0: yeah you meet mr oogie boogie and then he sings his song or whatever and then they bring santa claus back to him and then i
1: think that's kind of where i check the you're joking you're joking like mr oogie boogie and you ain't go nowhere yeah I that's not my favorite song so I I guess kind of check out a little bit
0: it amuses me that there are these different parts that you are like not interested in but they don't last that long
1: (laughs) yeah so I didn't say like the last 40 minutes of the movie I'm checked out I just said near the end yeah I check out for a little bit which in comparison to the runtime of this movie is like not that long
0: Jeez. You're like it's not that long. It's only like thirty minutes. I'm
1: like, what? <laughs> yes, this is a good forty five minute movie.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna come for you in your sleep or anything or feed you to the oogie boogie. Thank you. Bless you. <laughs> if you wanna watch a fun movie with Halloween and Christmas and a banging score and soundtrack, just go ahead and check this movie out. And just really pay attention to those more poignant moments and let them just envelop your soul so you can just be totally moved by it Mm -hmm. just really get the full effect don't fall asleep (laughs) don't fall asleep and may
1: i ask what is your rating system
0: my rating system is christmas tree eating snakes
1: whoa very specific Mm
0: -hmm. i think i will give this movie five christmas tree eating snakes out of five you people are going to have no Christmas trees left, because <laughs> this movie is a beggar. What's your rating system?
1: Um, I guess should be uh, Shakespearean quotations.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And I would recite, nah, I've, I've said too much negative stuff to be four, three and a half wow. Shakespearean quotations out of five.
0: Wow. But since you are not dead, you cannot take off your head to recite them. Oh, dang. <laughs>
1: Well, maybe you'll fix that in my sleep tonight. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Uh, if you want to see what side of the spectrum you fall on, this is available on Blu-ray from Disney and DVD, I guess. And it's available to stream on Disney+. you for joining us for this episode of home dance film festival join us again next time when we'll be discussing a great array of movies just you wait
0: if you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on twitter and tweet at us at homedancepod if you enjoyed this show this particular episode Feel free to rate it or just leave a review. If you didn't like the show or this episode, you can go get eaten by a Christmas tree eating snake, <laughs> dress up as a Christmas tree and wait around and get eaten.
1: I was going to ask if our audience was exclusively Christmas trees and you were just very pointedly threatening them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or just stand near a Christmas tree. He'll gobble you right up. You'll
1: get yours. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Presents and all. You're just a nice little prezi. <laughs> <laughs> For the snick
1: you can follow me on twitter at dylan gonzalez too you can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on geekvibesnation.com as well as on youtube co-hosting the video addict with my colleague mike vaughn on the geek vibes nation youtube channel
0: you can follow me on Twitter at JustinZero underscore, and you can also find me contributing to GeekVibesNation.com.
1: We are proud to be a part of the Geek Vibes Nation podcasting network. Original music for the show is provided by Andrew Carroll, who can be found at musicbyandrewcarroll.com. Original artwork for the show is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at theartofbenbelcher.
0: I've been Jessica. And I've been Dylan. Wow. Since recording this episode, I'm really in the mood for a piece of... I just recorded a mid-episode of the podcast Pie. Mm,
1: sounds delicious. Like it might really hit the spot. Mm-hmm. Bye! Bye.
0: cutie